You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week five of Study the Word 101 on the book of Ephesians. Today's intro teaching is on the study tools of list and identifying concepts and imagery. So we have a couple of announcements um, this morning. Um, and then I'll pray for us. So uh, first we have the manuscript study still. This is the last week that you can sign up for that. I believe it's this Saturday, yeah, the 14th. Um, It'll be in the crossover room. It's from eight to 11. You can look at the website if you want more info on that. We also have a ladies brunch that's coming up. I don't know, did they advertise this yet in the big service? Okay, Um, so it is um, a brunch just to gather. We're hoping, you know, we have a slice of ladies we get to see here from that are at WBF, but there's a lot more women in our church, so hopefully um, other ladies will sign up for that as well. It's gonna have a focus on memorization. And so some ladies will be sharing, there'll be yummy food. Um, You can also bring your daughters, if you have daughters that would enjoy coming with you. Um, baby daughters or (laughs) older daughters Um, so yeah we welcome them to come as well and you can sign them up too so that we know that they're coming so you can register for that online it is on November 11th it's a Saturday morning at 9 and then I also put some prayer cards around at each of the various tables these there is a conference that's going on for all of the EFCA so EFCA is the denomination that LEFC is under, and they're having a conference for all of the people in the Eastern District. And so LEFC is hosting that, and they are giving out gift bags to all of the um, ministry leaders that are coming to that conference. And so they are asking that various people from the congregation would take a name, that they would pray for the person on that card, and that they would write a note of encouragement. These are people that serve day in and day out. And so this is an opportunity um, for us to kind of give back to those leaders, even if they aren't a part of our local church, they're a part of the Big C Church. So just write a note of encouragement. It doesn't have to be long. Um, so you can take one of those if you're interested in that. I would encourage you to do that. And then... Um, you can return them to the connection counter on Sunday too if you want to take it with you and do that Um, yeah later all right let's pray Heavenly Father we uh, come before you this morning and we just we thank you that you are steadfast that nothing frazzles you like it does us Lord that you um yeah, that you hold all things in your hands, Lord. We ask that this morning would just glorify your name, um, whether it feels seamless or not, Lord. And we ask that you would just help our technology to hold out for us um, this morning as we um, try to use it to teach better. Lord, I pray that as we dive into this book of Ephesians, um, that we would be encouraged by who you are, Lord, that we would be encouraged to encourage one another to be filled with you, to find our hope and our identity, to find our source of strength in you and you alone. And so, Lord, um, we do all of this today for your honor and your glory. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so this morning, our study tip is lists. So... This is going to be our last um, study tip in the observation category. So if you remember, there are three steps to the inductive study method. The first is observation, the second is interpretation, and the last is application. And so this is the last step that we're going to teach you in observation. And this is a little bit different than some of the other 
parts of observation. And that's because uh, it causes you to just think a little bit more. Most of the rest of the parts of observations is a little more mechanical. We are all going to maybe recognize the same things. But here we might categorize things differently um, between us. And there isn't necessarily, I guess there could be a wrong way to categorize something. But um, it's OK to have a variety of different ways that we are looking at the, at the text. So um, it's a little bit more open-ended. Um, yeah, we may have to dig a little bit more. So why do we make lists? We make lists because it helps us to um, sort out and kind of organize and categorize the content of what we've read. So um, this just helps us kind of see it together to put various themes together um, and look at connections that we might not otherwise have seen. It's also going to just help us to make sense of the text, to make sense of what we're reading, to make sense of what we're observing, um, and to start thinking about how those things fit together. And this can be especially helpful um, in something like Ephesians, where Paul is talking in these long run-on sentences, and he goes from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It can be hard to wrap our minds around, like, OK, how do all these things actually connect? Um, and these lists can be a, an opportunity for us to kind of see some of those connections and how things fit together. All right, so how do we make lists? And what are lists made of? There's a variety of ways. I'm going to give you um, a couple of ways that I look for lists. And then if you have some others you want to add, um, be happy to hear from that. So the first one is God and the Trinity. This is something we always have you do, uh, both in this study and also in our big studies, is we have you looking for the attributes and characteristics of God. So this sometimes is. Um, like written out very plainly in the text um, that God is a faithful God, right? In the Psalms, um, we often see all of God's characteristics just written out for us. But other times, uh, in more of a narrative setting, you might be implying this from the text. You might be reading a story um, like the Israelites receiving manna in the wilderness. And by reading that story, you can come to the conclusion that God is a provider, that he provides for us. And so um, we could make a list of attributes of how we see God working um, in a story. And then in particular here in Ephesians, we get to look at the Trinity quite a bit. Um, but that's something you can always be looking for in scripture. It sometimes will be much more overt uh, than others. But how are the various parts of the Trinity working together? Uh, next, you can use your repeated words and your unknown words to look for lists. So this week, we had a repeated word of one, right? All over, it was um, one church, one Lord, um, one faith. And we had you look at all of those qualifiers, is that the right word, that go with one, and we made a list of that. So you can use your repeated words um, to find uh, lists as well. Then themes, so kind of going along with repeated words, we can look for themes that we see in the text. This week you had a prayer, and so that was the major theme of that first portion was Paul's prayer. And so we wrote all of the different pieces of Paul's prayer. What is Paul actually praying for? So you can look for a larger picture theme and um, put things that relate under it. And then also contrast. So we had this before a couple of weeks ago when we looked at um, our dead and alive state. If you remember, we wrote down everything that we were when we were dead in our transgressions and everything that we now have that we are alive with Christ. So those two contrasting lists can be really powerful to look at as well. 
can use your grammar here, right? Um, so you can use your buts and your therefores and your ifs to look at things that go on either side of those buts, possibly. Um, uh, and so look for some of those connections around your grammar. Also your tenses, we, we talked about this, I think the first week somebody brought this up, that we see a lot of things in that first section that were past tense of what God did. So writing down what are all the things God did, what are all the things that God is now doing in my life, and what are all the things that God promises to do in my life. So that's how you can use tenses to kind of create lists as well. And then um, narrative. So we do not have narrative in here. But as we talked about, we want to continue to increase your skills so that you can use this in various books. So in narrative, we might have a different sort of list that we'd have. We'd have maybe a list of characters or people that are in a story. We might have a list of actions that those people are doing. What are all the things that um, Moses is doing as he is talking with the Israelites? Those, that might help us um, in understanding the text. Places would be another um, thing we would have often in narrative, where you'd have a list of places, and they went here, and they went there, and they went this place, right? So making a list of those various places, and then, you know, then maybe moving from there to a map, which we would talk about more in interpretation, but understanding that better. So you can do lists for a specific portion of the text like we're doing here in class where we have chunked the text down. And when I study scripture, this is how I do it. Um, I'll read through a whole book and then I'll kind of chunk it down um, and look at a smaller portion in a day. So you can make a list in that smaller portion. But then you could also make lists that would be longer throughout the whole book. So maybe we didn't have you do this, um, but you could make a list of the Trinity throughout the entire book of Ephesians, maybe, and write out everything that we see God doing, God the Father doing in um, Ephesians, everything that we see Jesus doing in Ephesians, everything that we see the Spirit doing in Ephesians. And that is also going to help you get grasp beyond just the small section. How do I see everything fitting together in this entire book? So you can be looking for things like that that connect between your sections as well. And we will have you do a little bit of this as we, at the end of class, we'll, our very last week, we'll be uh, taking an opportunity to go back through everything that you've studied and then uh, looking at what, what do I see overall in this book. And so that can be an opportunity to go back through again and look for some of those connections. So does anyone have any other types of lists that they look, like to look for that I didn't mention? This is a very open-ended category. There can be other things. So the next part of this, along with lists, is imagery. So here you can see this person is far more artistic than I am. But um, I know some of you in this class are artistic. So if the Lord has gifted you in that way and you love to draw, use that as you study scripture. Um, and so I'm going to show you my stick figure drawing in a moment for all of you who can't draw so you can feel better about yourself. But I want to encourage you, if you have a skill like this, this can be a great way to just meditate on scripture and to think on the meaning of scripture, um, particularly if your drawing is, is tied to the text and what you're seeing in the text. And so I would encourage you to do that as you draw through scripture, is to think of ways um, that you see things connecting and then to, to draw it if the opportunity is there. So again, this is even more like open-ended. And it's not just drawings, but it could also be diagrams of sorts. Um, so any ways you can think to visualize or picture the text that would help you understand it better kind of fits into this category. So 
there's a beautiful picture, and then there's my stick figure from my scripture journal. And I have things like this all over my scripture journal. I am not artistic, um, but I do love to visually see the text in this way. And so this is maybe a little bit, I don't even know what you call this, cross between a list or a diagram or a drawing of sorts. Um, and nobody's probably gonna have this same drawing that I do in their scripture journal, right? But this is a way that it was helpful for me to think through the connections of what Paul was saying, that these people are given these gifts to build up the church, that Christ is the head, um, and that we're all achieving this mature manhood or this fullness in Christ. So this was helpful for me to kind of put that together. Um, so I would encourage you to do this um, if it's helpful to you. Sometimes it's gonna be really plain in the text, like we're gonna get to the armor of God. And there's a great opportunity. I don't think we have a prompt in there, but you could draw yourself. I have some very funny looking pictures of the armor of God as well. You can draw a little man with um, armor on him to kind of picture what, what this is that uh, Paul is saying. But then other times it's more subjective like this. This wasn't a very obvious um, picture in the text, but one that I pulled out. Um, yeah, so that, that is it. If you can picture it, go for it, draw it, label it. Um, use this as a tool to help you um, to see the scripture better. That's all I have for that one. Pass it off to you, Casey. All right, so before we jump in our, to our tables uh, to talk about our observations and interpretations, um, let's read the text together. So could I have somebody that would like to read the prayer for us? That would be 3, 14 to 21. Someone be willing to read four, one, we'll just do the whole thing, one through 16. <clears throat> Thanks. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs uh, to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one faith. Um, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, the grace that has, was given to each one of us According to the measure of Christ's gift. Do you, you want me to read the whole thing? Uh, it doesn't matter. Do you want to stop or do you want to keep going? No, no, no. I, I, mean, I sure. don't know where to stop. Yeah, you can go until Acts all the way down to 16. Okay. Um, therefore, it says, when he ascended on the high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that 
he has also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who had, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure of the status of fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the body joined and held together by every joint with which it is put equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Sorry, I have all these notes. Oh, ah, no, it's great. Right. No, you did fine. <laughs> I know, but I like, I crossed out words. That's fine. Um, thank you for that. No problem. Um, all right. So that should bring our, our minds and hearts back on the word. So we are going to break up to your tables now for a little while. Um, if you want to, like we did last week, kind of start in observation, maybe talk about some of the repeated words that you came up with, maybe look at some of the lists. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time in observation, but do that first. Um, we'll kind of give you a little heads up when to make sure you're moving into interpretation if you haven't done so yet. So start with observation. You can talk about questions that you have in the text, um, and then also looking at your interpretation questions in your homework. Now we know everything. <laughs> 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 Not at all. All right. So what we will do is um, move into just as a large group here, talking about some of our questions, um, seeing if we can discuss this and wrestle through some some of these things together. Uh, I do want to point out that. There are a lot of topics in this week's passage that are very much debated among very smart people. Um, so if we don't know the answers, you're in good company. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time studying this this week, and I still feel like I was telling you, I still feel like there's things that I'm fuzzy on, um, but that's okay. Um, there's a lot of truth in here, and there's a lot of awesome things we can take from it, even if we don't understand everything. Um, so let's start. We don't need to go section by section, but I do want to just start in Paul's prayer first, so the end of chapter 3. Um, so what questions from that prayer do you guys have? Or what are maybe some things, maybe, I don't know if you spent your time talking about that as much, because there's a little more of the interesting things in, the, in chapter four. Um, but are there any questions or things you talked about from Paul's prayer? What does every family mean? And what families are in heaven if there's no marriage in heaven? Good. questions, I'll kind of go back and try to tackle some of these. Why is strength the characteristic needed <laughs> to, to understand? Yes. 
to understand and comprehend his love. Is that kind of what you're saying? Okay. talk about and ask, what does it mean to ascended, descended? Something to explore slightly, a little bit, hint I've been too far. <laughs> desk. seems like lost like out of our reach, but how can we bring this back like practically? Like what does that look like? 
in our lives. Anything else? Hi, on here. What the what is the call that we are walking worthy of? And then I also add, um, what does it look like to reach mature manhood? What does that maturity look like? What do you mean by that? <laughs> some of these. Um, if you have more questions that pop up, please, please let us know. We can add them in. Um, all right, so Paul starts out his, his prayer um, kneeling before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So what do you think Paul means by every family? about this sonship and adoption and that we are now in, in his family. And like I heard Mill say, it's 
all people have that opportunity at this point, which is why I think he uses the word every. Um, and it also is showing when it says about him being um, the father to all those in heaven and on earth, also just shows his supremacy. And we've been talking a lot about this cosmic um, spiritual realm, and he is above all those as well. I don't know if they have, I don't know, spiritual families. I don't really know that. But I do know, what I do know is that God is above all of those things. And when I think of a father, a father is kind of the patriarch. They're over all um, in their family. And so for this, when he's using that language, um, I think of it as him being kind of superior in, in the cosmic world as well. Um, I don't want to think of the evil people being like in his family. That feels different, right? But he still is supreme over all of those things. Um, what about the next question about this strength? There's a lot of uh, words, in, kind of words in here, strength and power. Um, why do you think he's using that word strength when it comes to understanding? Your thoughts. <clears throat> Where is that strength coming from? What does it say? It gives us the answer. Where does that strength come from? From the spirit. From the spirit, right? Sometimes, sometimes the answers are here. <laughs> so that's really nice, right? Coming from the spirit. So why do we need the spirit to help us to understand? Because we have sinful minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it helps us discern and, and weed out the lies from the truth and get down to the heart of what the Lord's saying rather than what we want to impose on what we think is true. Yes, absolutely. And his role is to illuminate and to bring to light uh, the truth. Another thing I want to just point out quick is this was being written to a young church. Um, all of these letters are being written to churches that are, are, are in their earlier stages. And um, he also just talked about them in chapter 3, that they wouldn't lose heart. Um, there is, there's a lot going on. They are, it's a new thing for them, and they're trying to, through the power of, of the Spirit and with, with Christ's help, to stand in, in some muddy waters, right? There's people around them, there's a lot of things going on around them, um, and so I picture that strength as being needed for, I mean, we all need that, but you picture something young and trying to develop and grow, that strength is, is necessary um, to be able to keep going. <laughs> when, I, when I see the word strength, I think about, like, you know, if we ran a marathon, we'd all be really sore because we haven't been building up to it. Yes. Um, and so, like, all the knowledge and all the information that they're learning about being Christian would be overwhelming and would, they'd be sore because they're exercising muscles they've never had to exercise before. I love that. So maybe endurance would be a good definition for strength there. I was thinking that it was, did, did we define strength? I believe you, yeah, you did. I was thinking that, yeah, see, I think that was one of the words that was used in the definition and I thought it maybe fits like our what we think of as strength, but maybe it's really talking more about endurance, that kind of strength. Yeah. Was standing stamina. Mm-hmm. Standing stamina, great. That's 
showing those things. that only comes from him as well, which he talks a lot. I mean, we're going to get into him talking a lot more about this unity um, and a piece that only comes from him. The process of sanctification is to get more of God in his life and fullness through releasing those things because you can't fill something until he's <laughs> So it's a whole process of decreasing in those other things that have we've attachments to, either worldly attachments or things that aren't filled with God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, so it's kind of that process of being filled as we're emptying and well that be filled or empty. Yeah. And my thought when you said overflow there, it's like it's it's oozing from our pores. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then, like um, garlic. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 just kidding. It's like garlic. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, no, I love that. and uh, people say, wow, you're different. Yes. Why are you different? Mm -hmm. You are so joyful. You are, I'm not joyful. I mean, but I am <laughs> joyful, but not like something. <laughs> but I mean, that they said, wow, you know, I want to hang out with you, I want to learn more, so mm -hmm. that's what went with the overflow. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. oh, that's Sorry, the garlic didn't throw me off. But, but I do love this idea of, of oozing. I love that though, it's, it's coming out of you. And you're not even always trying it. Mm -hmm. That's the oozing part. Like we, you, If you are filled with Christ, if you are filled with his love and his attributes and all these things, it's going to come out of us, which I think is where we're heading in Ephesians, right? We're talking about We've talked about in the first three chapters all these things that God has done through Christ, the gospel, right? He's including all, all people. Um, and now we can see how is that truth going to ooze out of us in, in our lives, both in the... Sorry, you don't like the ooze. Oh, they do not love the ooze. All right, thank you. overflow of the things coming out of us, let's move into talking a little bit more about what Paul is asked, talking about with, um, well first let's actually talk about the calling, because that's, that's what he talked about first, right, um, in chapter 4. What do you think that call, what's he talking about, what call, when he says, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So what is that calling? Now we have to go out and 
also later yeah, as yeah. in one oh yeah, yeah I love great I love this is so good when you're reading scripture and reading a passage to go back to what we've already read that's a great connection um, that hope that only comes because we are filled right we don't have that hope if we're not it's really good Sometimes we think about this call, we might think, we, I hear this a lot, people saying, like, I'm called to do this, I'm called to do this, I'm called to do that, I'm called to do that, this is my calling. I think what Paul is getting at here more so is um, this, like, idea of the call of, of believers as a whole. Um, now, each one of us might, this might look different for each of us, but the calling is the same. How we live out that calling might, you know, our gifts that we've been given are going to be different, um, but that call is, is something that all believers um, should be living towards. Um, so, okay, what do you think about all this? Okay, first of all, his... Mature manhood. Uh, what? Mature manhood. That actually is after. Oh. Okay. Um, this lower region, descend, descend, captives, woo! If you don't understand it, again, you're in good company. <laughs> I read the last thing, and I still don't understand it, and other people didn't understand it either. <laughs> so it's a little tricky here. Um, so first of all, this verse that he's using from Psalms, what did you notice? Without, again, we're not going to be able to exactly understand it, but what did you notice with this verse? Looking back to where, did anyone actually go back, did we read it in the actual Psalms? Did you see the difference? I think that was a question. In various maybe. translations of the, of the Psalms, it um, talks about receiving gifts instead of giving gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some a change in words here, which confused me. <laughs> like, so they're just quoting exactly what Paul's written. So um, there's also a change in um, in the NIV. I think I looked it up in the NIV, and it talked about you ascended, you led, and you received gifts. And here it's saying, he ascended, he led, and he gave gifts. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's going to be a little tricky to get into the, the depth of what this means. Um, but does anyone have a thought of, of why this changed? Or what's, what's Paul doing here? Sure. Let's talk about that. I mean, in Psalms, 
David or whoever wrote the psalm mm -hmm. is talking about what God what God has done, though he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> anyway, but um, about God doing that, and in Paul's letter, he's saying Jesus is that God that we're mm -hmm. talking about. So I mean, I think that pronoun shift is easier to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. The giving versus receiving. Mm -hmm. Okay, that. Yeah, that one is a little bit more tricky. Um, Good. Yeah, we might help to define some of these other things too. Your lower regions. Oh, sure. Practice. Um, yeah, what do you think? What's, what passage is he talking about? Take a guess, because that's what we're doing. <laughs> 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 I think you have the right answer, and that's amazing, and I'll listen. But I, I yeah, what's your guess? I'll take anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really good teacher, guys. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm good. Um, so yeah, what do you think? What are your, what are your guesses of who, of who the captains are? I was guessing it was those the saints who died before. Side. So it's it's a hard it's a hard word to. I can't that's okay. <laughs> what about thinking back to the Old Testament and talking about him? Um, if we're thinking about him rescuing people, who might those captives be? The Israelites. That's another thought. Yes. <clears throat> and, and those that believed in him, like um, Ruth would come to mind. here for who these captives are. I would welcome you to, to look into this more, to look into this deeper if this is interesting to you. Um, but also know that I think the bigger picture here is, is who is taking them out? Who is rescuing them? Whether it's demons, who's taking them away? You know, like who is the party that is responsible, the subject in this? Um, I think that makes and also then looking at how that's relating to these gifts that we've been talking, that we're going to, that we're going to talk about. Um, so sorry, I don't have the answer for that. <laughs> um, that, yeah, there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that still don't also know this either. So I think that, um, but it's, it's not ever a bad thing to continue to study it and try to learn it. Um, what about the lower regions and this ascend and descend? Um, does anyone have an idea what they think the lower regions are? I use my study Bible. <laughs> 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 I know. But we have an interesting um, thought brought up. Uh, my Bible said Earth, Hades, and the grave. And then um, Judy brought up, well, think about our Earth. And I, I can't believe I think, because I taught that. Taught the core of our Earth. <laughs> And um, she goes, well, what's the, what's the core? It's all burning. It is flame and, and hot, and then an outer layer is not as hot, and molten, and lava, and then there's the, I can't remember, air crust, outer crust, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and
freedom and justice. So what do you think of then, I mean, depending on which one you think, that descent is going to look different, right? That descent may look where he's descending to, when he's ascending, descending. But if we're looking at Christ, that ascent, I think, is pretty clear. And what does that, so what is that ascent? Where is he ascending to? Heaven! Heaven. <laughs> like his throne, like he is ascending above all. And so whether he descended to earth, I don't know. If we get caught up in that, again, you can study it all you want, but I think the important part here is he is ascending to his throne. And as he does that, he gives us gifts. Um, he's no longer walking on this earth physically, but we are. And that's kind of what I like to think of it, as these gifts now are given to us by his grace so we can live out his calling. All right. Sorry, we did not get to everything. We didn't get to maturity, but I will talk a little bit about that in the wrap-up. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of time here to talk at your tables about the application. Um, it's important, again, to take these truths, take what we're learning about God, and now how is this going to affect my everyday life? Um, so go ahead and look at your, some of your application questions. Um, you can look at that big picture wrap-up page. What is something, again, that is true of God that we're reading about then? What is still true of him today? And then how do you live according to that? Okay, just a few minutes. <laughs> All right, so would somebody be willing, before we, we wrap this up, uh, would someone be willing to share what a takeaway was this week that you, that you took with you, something you'll remember? And something you'll use, too, not just remember, but what are we, how are we living this out? So what is a takeaway that you've had? <clears throat> I think um, verse... Chapter 4, verse 13, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. I was thinking about kids and how like fickle and extremes in a second and high and low and everything. Just to kind of, yeah, it's easy to like, oh yeah, they're children, but like in some ways I'm that way too with mm -hmm. other circumstances, so it's trying to be not so fickle. Yeah. I think Paul gives us a cool imagery here to, to, yeah, to see the difference between, like, he wants us to know what maturity looks like, but in order to do that, we have to think of the opposite, right? That's a great, that's a great takeaway. I wanted to say, because you brought it up about your grandma still learning, and my thought was, I, I will never be mature enough. And, I mean, I, I am more mature than I was when I was sure. 20 and 30. Too, that the more we dive in and want to understand the fullness, the more we realize how much more full it is than we thought. Amen. And even with the transforming, we're never going to be transformed. We're always going to be transforming more and more and more the more we study and learn about God. So yes. It's, kind of our, it's much deeper mm -hmm. than we ever imagined when we yes. first became believers. And that's how we're created. Yeah. That's on purpose, right? That's, a, that's such a cool vision. And when we read the Bible, and you read a verse that you've read in your 20s and your 30s, and you're like, wait a minute. I read that, and that didn't, that, yes. it didn't hit me. It hits yeah. me now. So. Yes. It's, it really is living and active, right? And so 
where maybe something you're walking through right now, this verse is gonna change how you, yeah, this verse might mean something different to you. It doesn't mean the verse is different, right? It is all God breathed, but it, but it can mean something and yeah. And you can apply it differently too, depending on what season you're walking in. Very good. All right, so uh, here are the taglines that we've given you the last few weeks. So if you wanna add this week's Tagline, you can also make your own, that's fine. I couldn't, I was having, having trouble kind of putting this all together. So if you have a better one, that's, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> um, but what we came up this week is walking as one. Walking as one. All right, so this week's passage uh, begins with prayer, as we've been talking about, and it kind of ends with application. We're going to see here, we didn't really talk about this quite yet, but a pretty major, major transition now from Paul's teaching in his first three chapters to a charge for godly living, um, both as individuals and um, within the church. We're going to talk a lot about the church here today in his second part of, his, of the passage. Um, he challenges his readers to respond to the gospel story that we've been talking about as we live out our own life story. So chapters one through three show us what God has done through Christ to make us one. Chapters four to six is where we're going to learn how to walk as one. This theme of unity has been all throughout the book of Ephesians and we're gonna really, he hones in on it here a lot this week. but I think what got, yeah, it happened in the past is, and what he did is creating this one body, this one um, church. So first, let's take it, before we get to that though, we're gonna take a quick look at, a close look at his prayer here that we talked about earlier. Um, he's praying that the believers in Ephesus, so the church, would be strengthened, right, we talked about this a little bit ago, by God's spirit, so they may know personally and corporately Christ's presence and love, um, which then will lead us, as we've been saying, to, to transform lives or transforming lives, right? As Vicki said, it's not, we're not ever there. We're constantly being transformed. So Paul begins his prayer here um, with a posture of like reverence, right? This idea of going to his knees before the father. And we talked about this idea of family. And I do love that he uses this language here, especially as we said, as he's coming off of just talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, I think this would be really powerful for a Gentile reader um, to say, hey, I'm in this family. Like I'm in. That, that's so cool, right? Um, so I love this language of father. And again, he's father. He's father to all. All can be in his household. Uh, we are given the opportunity to be in his household. So in Paul's prayer, um, I kind of broke it down in three things. This kind of is pulled right out of, right out of his prayer. Um, I'll just give you all three for now. So he is praying that the believers in Ephesus would be strengthened by the Spirit as Christ is dwelling in them, uh, that they also then could use that strength to grasp the vast dimensions of Christ's love, and through that, they all are kind of connected to each other. So as we are grasping and trying to understand his love, we will then be filled with the fullness of God uh, through our union with Christ. That is only a possibility when we are in, when we are in Christ. So in other words, I always like to try to come up with little words to remember. It helps me when I'm studying. So I think Paul's prayer here is that the Ephesians would be strengthened, enlightened, and filled. If you like to break it down even smaller, that might be a good way to try to remember it. Uh, so let's talk about each of these 
here real quick. Uh, we already said about this strength, um, where it comes from, right? It comes from uh, how are they being strengthened with power from the spirit uh, in their inner beings, so their hearts. We haven't we talked a ton about this idea of our inner being, but um, what I was reading a lot about this is where, like it's a depth of who we are, and when we that is filled, it is going to come out in, in how we live. Um, Lindsay said last week, or a couple weeks ago, I guess, that the spirit is used, the spirit here, um, is allowing our eyes to be opened to the person and work of Christ. So we need the spirit to open our eyes to Christ, and then he will, when we accept him, will dwell, will dwell in our hearts through faith. So let's look at this word dwell um, for just a second. We didn't talk about that, I don't believe. Um, so the definition, I, had, I think you guys looked this up in your homework, but the dictionary definition is to live in or at a specified place. I just wasn't thinking that seemed deep enough, right? That seems a little bit on the surface. So when I looked at the word dwell in the original Greek language, it gives us a much kind of sweeter definition, a much deeper definition, and that is this, to inhabit or to settle down as a permanent resident, or as permanent residence, or as a permanent resident. So if you want to jot that, that definition down, you're welcome to. Um, but what I just saw out of this is Christ is not just stopping by. He's not just visiting, and then he's going to leave, right? When we accept him, he is there. He's there for good. Um, he's taking up residence in our hearts, and we are found in him. I still feel like my little finite brain is trying to wrap my, eyes, my mind around what that means to be found in Christ. And it's such a sweet thing to be dwelling on and to be thinking about um, throughout, throughout my day. So um, what then is a result of Christ dwelling in our hearts? Well, Paul goes on to talk about this gaining a deeper understanding for his love for us. We're not going to understand his love, one, without the spirit, and two, if, he's not, if we're not in him, right? This is not something that the average person can just understand. So, um, and when we do gain this deeper understanding, it really should be driving our affections, our decisions, our actions, our whole lives. Um, we talked about this transformation a lot, but we're being transformed from the inside, from the inside out. So that kind of directs us to his second um, point about the understanding his love, right? He asked that they would be strengthened so they could um, better know something that is beyond knowing. We already talked about that, right? Um, but here we also see that the Holy Spirit's, uh, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to draw our attention to the magnitude of Christ and his love for us. So to kind of summarize this part of the prayer, um, I think he's praying that the Ephesians, through being rooted and grounded, we read that earlier, in Christ, um, these people will appreciate and know, not just intellectually, right, that they would know deeply with from the, their innermost being and with all the saints. I love that he adds that in there. That is going to help us when we are surrounding ourselves in the, with the community of believers. We can help push each other towards understanding that love just a little bit more. Um, and again, we're not going to know all of this on our own. Uh, we need the help of the spirits. And so we can understand the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of his love. I love that he pointed out all of those things. It's all-encompassing, right? So again, we're not going, how do we know something that's beyond knowledge? I think it's just to sit in that being okay that we are not going to know that, um, but, and it's beyond our human understanding here on this earth, but I love that one day we will get to fully understand that. That just makes my heart so happy to know that one day I don't, I'm gonna know it, and that, that is gonna be the best day um, once we fully realize what that, what that really looks like. Um, so Paul ends his prayer here with a, 
powerful doxology. I just love the end of that, um, where it's a prayer of praise, right? And he ends it with, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Um, just an awesome way to end that prayer um, and something we can be praying in our own lives um, and a good way to end his first half of his letter. So that leads us into um, chapter four. So here, like I said, we're gonna see this kind of change in Paul's language, um, in his, the way he's presenting things, and we're gonna be able to begin to see a lot of application um, in what he's been teaching so far. So um, we've been talking about this idea that if we are filled, we talked about that a lot today, right? If we're filled with the fullness of God through Christ, that our lives, our lives should be reflecting that, both individually and in the church. And that's where he's gonna head next with talking more about the church, the life, the structure, and the calling of the church. So he begins by urging, we didn't talk a lot about this word walk, but he begins, ur he's urging the believers. He's not just saying, this is maybe something you would think, should think about doing, <laughs> or this is something maybe would be a good idea. No, he's urging them. It is with urgency that they should be walking in a manner worthy of the calling they've received. And again, we can only walk in a manner worthy when we are walking with Christ. We need to be in him to be able to actually do this. Um, he uses the word walk a lot in, I know in the book of Ephesians, probably in a lot of his letters, he's using the word walk often. Um, and by this, it's not just, I'm going to walk over here, right? It's a deeper meaning to that. It's how we're regulating our lives, our character, how we conduct ourselves, how we live is really what he's trying to get at here. Um, so he's urging believers to live a life that reflects this calling that they've been given. Um, and like I said earlier, this calling is looking at more of a corporate kind of tone, like a, the whole body, uh, more so than just an individual calling. That means we still play a part, but this is a, is a bigger calling, um, which let's talk about that. Um, actually, I'm going to go back. Sorry. Talk about that here for a second. So what is, this, what is this calling? I like to kind of think of it as living a life that both reflects and promotes Christ. And when we do this, we will build up the church. Um, so simply put, living a life that is glorifying to him. Um, our calling really can be broken down to be saved and sanctified. If you like the little words, <laughs> sometimes that's nice to kind of break it down even farther. Um, and so then Paul gives us a list of ways that we can do this, a ways that we can live in a manner worthy of this calling. And all of these things here on the board here are going to reflect Christ, and they're also going to bring unity to the body. He's going to go and talk to me a lot about unity here in a second. Uh, but when we think of these things, when we are humble, how does that impact the body? When we are gentle, how does that impact the body? And I also kind of think of the opposite of that. If we are being kind of proud and puffed out about our own selves, how's that affecting the body? Right? We don't want to do that. We want to in, in dwell, be, have these things come out of us. I also, as a parent, think of these things very much. So, wow, like that is a hard list. <laughs> um, um, and so I... Again, but it's through, it's through the help of the Spirit that we can do these things. Because so on our own, we're not going to display these to, to the world around us. Um, and what I also really love here is that all of these things, they all have love at their, at their foundation, right? And we talk a lot about that love here, too. So Christ is our head, right? And we are the body. And the church is being built on this oneness that Paul goes on to describe here. So the triune God, the three in one, is represented here, right? Uh, I think I have a list of them. Yes. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. If you notice, uh, there are seven of them, which I thought was pretty cool, which is the number for fullness or completeness. 
right? These are all, all necessary. And while um, the world wants to divide, the spirit unites. And something like the rest of the world around us, instead of concentrating on division, like a lot of our culture is doing, uh, we should really remember what is uniting us. And that's the things on the board over here. And again, one day, um, I like to again think of what eternity will look like. And that unity will be made complete when we get to live in eternity in harmony with all others and also with our Father face to face. Um, so again, as we see, unity is, is a huge part of what he's talking about here. Um, and what he goes into next, I think, shows us that, I know that I actually, yeah, there we go, um, that unity does not mean uniformity, right? So I kind of like to think of it as unified diversity. <laughs> that sounds a little silly, doesn't it? But it's kind of what he's saying here. <laughs> um, it's kind of what he's saying here, right? So unity does not mean that we're going to have to lose our individuality, or it doesn't mean we're going to have to, we, and it doesn't mean our individual responsibility is lost, right? God himself is a unity of persons, the Trinity, um, who are different but equal. And so I like it's really cool to think about the unity in the church that we are supposed to display reflects that, reflects our creator. We're all made different but we're all unified under Christ. Um, and so if we are a part of the body of believers, that we should, we each have a ministry, right? And we each are valuable. And like we said earlier, when Christ ascended to his throne in heaven, he gave us these gifts that, to the church. Um, and I think, again, I think he's really focusing. I don't know, we still don't have a full grasp on why he used that verse and how he used it. But I think the focus here is the gifts and the giver. Right, who is giving us, who is giving us these things? It's the risen Christ, right? He not only saves us, but he also entrusts us with these gifts. And this is going to look different for different people, like I said, uh, we all have this, but we all have the same responsibility. He points out apostles and prophets and different things like these people. Um, these are people who are equipped to equip. Um, but even if you are not in that list, which most people probably here are not, considered maybe, I don't know, an apostle or a prophet or all these things. It doesn't mean that we're off the hook. It just means those people are trying to teach us so we then have a ministry to the people around us. We are all called to build up the church um, as we are being sanctified and as we're moving towards that maturity in, in the faith. So I kind of like to think of that as all hands on deck, right? We're all, we're all part of this. So to really quickly, I'm running out of time, um, to talk about that maturity, um, he is really telling us, his readers, right, that he wants them to grow in their maturity, to grow up spiritually, and when they do that, that they will then experience the fullness of Christ. And it also will help them not be carried away by false teaching and doctrine. Um, maturity here, actually, the definition for maturity, if you look it up in the original language, is to be made perfect or complete. So like you were saying, this is not gonna be us in this earth, right, on this earth. But one day we will get to see what that fully looks like. Um, but while we are here, instead of thinking, well, I'll never attain that, well, what can we do while we are here? And we can, here on earth, strive to grow in our relationship with the Lord, point others to Christ, and build up the church. And when that happens, our maturity will grow. Again, we're never going to be there. We will not arrive, <laughs> if you will, until we are um, Past this, past this life. So, but basically to break it all down, our, um, so, yeah, sorry, I didn't put those up there, but our goal here on earth is to be more like Christ each day. Um, and that immaturity, like we talked about, it, he kind of contrasts the immaturity to maturity. It's like a child being tossed back and forth, like Aaron said. Um, so 
How do we help ourselves and others from not being deceived? Well, Paul kind of gives us an answer. There, finally, <laughs> right? He, he says we need to grow in our maturity. We also need to grow in our knowledge of truth. And then we can speak the truth in love, and that's how we will help others from being deceived. And speaking, in the, speaking the truth in love is how we grow the church and maintain that unity. Um, and so to grow our maturity, to grow in every way, as Paul puts it, we must remain connected to the head, right? We have to be in him. We have to be connected to him. And through then, our unified diversity, when each part is working properly, that is when the body will grow and be strengthened, which is what Paul is praying for here. So to conclude, um, I want you to kind of think a little bit about some of these gifts that you might have been given from, from Christ, right? Do you view these gifts as something good for the body? We don't want to get caught up on what do I have, what do I have, what do I have, but how can I use what God has given me to strengthen the body, right? How can I use them to build up the church? And if for some, I mean, if you are, are unsure of that right now, that's okay. The Lord is gracious, right? And he wants to give us these good gifts. Um, remember back a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, we, were, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Um, and so maybe right now, just focusing on fill, being filled with Christ and then seeing how that will help you to spur others on. Um, you don't have to know all the answers right now, but we do need to, we can continue to tr strive for and live like Christ and then help to push people in the right direction. And again, to conclude, let us not forget we have the best possible leader and the head and the person of Jesus Christ who is dwelling in us as we speak. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Um, we thank you that it is living and active that we can see you as we read these pages, yet you, it comes out in our lives. Lord, would you fill us um, to the brim? God, would you fill us in a way that we would then have that be an over, that comes out, it pours out of us in our interactions with others, in how we walk through situations in our lives. Um, God, we pray for unity. We pray for unity that um, Paul is asking for in this passage, Lord, the unity that is under one, one God, um, one body, one spirit, and Lord, would we look different from the world as the church? Um, God, would you help to unite us in a way that is going to bring others in as well as build each other up as we, as we walk through our lives? And Lord, these gifts that you give us, thank you. Thank you for the grace that you've given us to be a part, to take part in this, um, that we get to be your hands and feet here on this earth. Um, we thank you, you are above all. We praise you for that. Um, and because of that, and because you've given us gifts, we just pray that we will use them well, um, that we would use the things you have given us. And if you've given us a lot, Lord, we pray that we use a lot. And if you've given us a little, we use the little, but we would use what you give us for your glory um, and that we can, yeah, just see your name reign above all. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.